Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. I believe this is the fifth one in our second season. We're working through one another commands in the New Testament. I'm Ryan Chase. I'm one of the elders at Emmaus Road Church. And we talked last week about the New Testament command to forgive one another. We started to get into that. Uh, Paul gives this command in places like Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He says similar thing in Colossians 3.13, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's significant that in both of those places, Paul grounds this command to forgive one another in God's forgiveness of us in Christ Jesus. As God in Christ forgave you, so you also must forgive. Forgiveness is foundational to our experience of community. God reconciles us to himself first in Christ. So we have a vertical reconciliation and then we're reconciled to one another. And that's how we enjoy fellowship with each other. And anytime you put uh, people with remaining indwelling sin into community, you can be sure that those people are going to sin against each other. And when sins pile up, relationships break down. Sin, sin puts us out of fellowship with each other. So how do we maintain fellowship when we sin against each other? We have to learn how to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us so that we can continue walking in fellowship. First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. So forgiveness, forgiving one another is essential to gospel community. And we got into some of that last week, but there's so much that can be said about forgiveness. I want to cover a couple more things in particular, some common questions and objections that come up about forgiving. Uh, when we said last week, uh, as Jim Wilson pointed out, bitterness is what we feel when we perceive someone else has sinned against us. And one of the things that makes this so difficult is when somebody else has actually sinned against us, uh, that person's sin really is sin. It's really actually wrong. And so we tend to get focused on the wrongness of that sin that we don't see our own uh, bitterness, resentment, building up in our own heart. We don't see that as the sin that it is that we have to deal with. We just see the other person's sin that they need to deal with. We don't see our own sin of bitterness and unforgiveness. So here are a couple of objections that tend to keep us from forgiving. First question, uh, people will ask, does forgiveness mean saying that the other person wasn't wrong? Does, does forgiving the person who wronged me mean denying that I was actually sinned against? There's this sense that um, because we're so focused on the actual heinous sin of the other person, uh, we, we want to hold on to that. And it feels so justified to hold on to that. Forgiving the other person feels like saying it's no big deal. You didn't do anything wrong. And that feels wrong to us. It violates our sense of justice. We know that we were actually sinned against. We were actually wronged. And so we don't want to forgive. We don't want to let go because it, it feels like saying what the other person did wasn't a big deal. 
And this is why it's important when somebody comes and confesses their sin and asks for forgiveness and says, will you forgive me? Uh, It's important to respond by actually saying, I forgive you, which is different than saying it's okay. I think there's a a default reaction in a lot of us. Somebody says, I'm sorry. We reply with something like, it's okay. It's okay, depending on what we're saying there, isn't necessarily true. Um, That could be said in a way that means we're okay. Our relationship is now okay. We're back in fellowship. But in that case, say so, be clear about it. Um, it, Because just to respond, it's okay, might not be very accurate. You might be saying what you did was okay. Um, What you did wasn't a big deal. Whereas when you say, I forgive you, you're not saying what you did was okay. You're saying, you're acknowledging what you did is wrong and you're confessing and I receive that confession and I forgive you. I receive your apology and I I forgive you. Uh, Remember, Paul tells us to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. How does God forgive us in Christ? That's the crucial question. How does God forgive us? Because the way in which God forgives us is the way in which we are to forgive one another. And God does not forgive us by sweeping everything under the rug. Romans 3, 21 through 26 is a cornerstone passage in all of scripture explaining how God's forgiveness of us is actually an expression of God's justice. God's forgiveness of us in Christ upholds God's justice. So God is not sweeping anything under the rug. Listen to this passage. Paul says, Romans 3, 21, but now the righteousness of God, righteousness, justice of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophet bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe for there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation is a a big word that means a a sacrifice that secures God's favor, that, that absorbs God's wrath and makes God propitious or favorable toward us. So God put Jesus forward as this sacrifice that makes God propitious, favorable toward us, a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show, here's the logic Paul's pointing out. This was to show God's righteousness, God's justice, because in his divine forbearance, his incredible patience, God had passed over former sins. So all of these sins of humanity had been piling up for generations and generations. And in remarkable patience and forbearance, God passed over those sins. And then he puts forward Jesus as a sacrifice, an atoning, propitiating sacrifice. And Paul says it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, so that he might be just. If God God just swept our sins under the rug, pretended they weren't there, or said about our sin, it's okay, uh, he would be unjust. He would be overlooking sins and minimizing the sinfulness of those sins. But to be just so as to not pervert justice God had to punish those sins. And so how how could it be that God is both just, that is he punishes sin as 
the evil, wicked thing that it is, and yet at the same time justifies or declares innocent, guilty, forgiven, uh, righteous, that he justifies sinners. How can he look at guilty sinners and say, not guilty? And yet that's the very thing that he does, Paul says. He, he, he is just, and he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. And God does that by punishing all of our sin in Jesus. So that sin does get punished. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't minimize it. He doesn't say it's no big deal. It's such a big deal that the only way for him to forgive us without destroying us was for him to put forward his own son as a sacrifice who was destroyed. He was killed. He suffered under the wrath of God for our sin. That's how big a deal it is. So God, when he says to us, I forgive you, he's not saying it's no big deal. We look at the cross and we know that's how serious our sin was. That's how costly our forgiveness was. Forgiveness is a costly thing, but forgiveness is, in forgiving us, God is saying, I will pay. It's costly and I'm not gonna make you pay. I will pay for it. First John 1, 9, likewise, uh, John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It, it is amazing that John can say it's it's the justice of God. When he forgives us, he does so, uh, we would think that's mercy, right? Mercy is God uh, forgiving us, but John refers to God's justice there because all of our sin was punished in Christ. And so it would be unjust now of God not to forgive us since he has paid for that in Jesus. So if we are to forgive others as God forgives us in Christ, God does not forgive us by saying, no big deal, it's okay. Uh, no, our, our sin is sin, it's evil, and he deals with it by punishing it in Jesus, with, which brings us to uh, a second question or objection that comes up uh, regarding forgiveness, which is the question, does forgiveness mean that the person who wronged me is going to get away with, with what he did? Again, because bitterness focuses on the wrong of the other person, and how wrong it is, and we want that person to pay for that, that comes from a sense of justice, a huge obstacle to letting go of that is the, the fear that that person might get, a, get away with what they did. Um, again, when we come back to uh, the character of God, this is where our hearts can be set free from that. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, 19 through 21. He says in, in verse 19, beloved, Never avenge yourselves, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So bitterness, unforgiveness insists on being the one to inflict vengeance, the, the one who, who will make the guilty party pay. Uh, I suffered and I wanna make sure that that person pays for it. I want to make sure they know how much I hurt. And I, I, I do that by making them hurt back. But Paul says, don't avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. That, that is a divine prerogative. God alone is the one who um, punishes evildoers. And, and so listen to the, the promise then that motivates Christians to let go of that need to get revenge. Uh, Paul, Paul puts forward as the, the reasoning, the logic, the motivation here, the assurance that God will punish. I will repay, says the Lord. So Paul doesn't say, um, 
let it go and that person's going to get away with it. He says, let it go. Don't avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Let God take care of it. And what you should know in this is uh, God is able, uh, far more able than you to punish and to give the fitting punishment to those who deserve it. God's wrath is just and nobody will escape this. There will be no cold cases in, in, in the end of history. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Uh, all of the cold cases will be closed and people will stand before God and give an account for every action and every idle word that was spoken. And the wrath of God will be full and complete and just. And so if you are having a hard time letting go of something that someone else did to you in the past, Paul says you can let go of it because you can entrust that to God. He will take care of it in the right time and in the right way, and in a way far better than you could. Uh, When you try to take revenge, one of the most frustrating things to people is they find they don't have the opportunity to bring about that punishment in the way that they want to. But God will... um, He will punish those who are guilty. And so then Paul says in verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. He's quoting Proverbs there. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when you entrust the punishment of sin to God and you let go of that yourself, then you're set free to treat your enemies in this radically different way, being generous and kind to them. So that's one answer to the question, does forgiveness mean that person will get away with it? And yet there's even more as Christians, um, we don't sit around hoping that other people will remain hardened in their their unrepentant sin so as to suffer the full force of God's wrath. Um, Because of God's kindness to us, we do hope and pray that they would see their sin and repent of it and trust in Jesus. So in that case, what happens? If that person who sinned against you trusts in Jesus, turns to God and receives the forgiveness of their sin, then that person will not suffer the wrath of God against that sin. What then? Well, even still, uh, that sin does get punished. This brings us back to where we started, that God in his justice punishes our sins by putting them on Christ. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin for us. So here's the assurance you can have if you're worried that somebody's going to get away with their sin against you. Either that person will remain unrepentant and God will punish them justly in the end, or that person turns to Christ and all of that guilt is placed on Jesus and Jesus suffered for it. So either way, the sin against you will be fully and completely punished by God, either in Christ or in that person who sinned against you. So you don't have to worry that any sin against you is going to go unpunished and you can let go of that bitterness and resentment. Here's another question that comes up, just the simple question, do I have to forgive? Do I have to? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, Jesus makes this abundantly clear, Matthew um, chapter 6, 12 through 15, where he teaches us how to pray. He tells us in what we call the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. This is how we're supposed to pray. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And then after going through the Lord's prayer, he adds this comment at the end, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That makes forgiveness and unforgiveness a really serious thing. And lest we think that uh, Jesus got confused here or flip-flopped his word order, uh, he makes the same point in Matthew 18 when he tells that parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, I don't have time to read through the whole parable, but if you're struggling with unforgiveness, go read the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. When he gets to the end of that, and he's told how the servant who was forgiven a massive debt turns around and refuses to forgive somebody who owed him a really minor debt. Uh, and then he is punished by the by his master for his unforgiveness. Jesus says, Matthew 18, 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. Uh, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, same thing. Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. If you have anything against anyone, if you're standing in church on a Sunday morning singing, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that, here's the reason, so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, all of that reasoning uh, raises a, a question. It, does that mean that our salvation, our forgiveness is conditioned on forgiving others? Or to put it another way, are, are we earning our forgiveness from God by doing some work of forgiving others first? And the answer is no, we're not earning forgiveness by forgiving others. When you forgive others, you're not doing a work for God that renders some service to him for which he pays you back with the forgiveness of, of your sins. Uh, think about it more like this. What, what Jesus is saying here is consistent with what he says throughout the gospels about other sins and what the whole New Testament teaches. That is, uh, anyone who persists in sin will face the judgment of God. And so what Jesus is saying here is unforgiveness. That is bitterness, resentment, malice in your heart towards somebody who has sinned against you. That is sin. Even though the other person actually sinned against you, bitterness in response is sin. And it's sin that God will punish. Uh, nobody gets away with it. So Matthew 5, 22, Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you call your brother a fool, uh, you are facing the judgment of um, the hell of fire. That's what Jesus says. Or Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he goes through the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. None of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying in these passages about forgiveness is you can add the bitter, the resentful, the unforgiving to that list. The, the bitter and resentful will not inherit the kingdom of God. But there's good news. God forgives sin. So in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Likewise, when Jesus is teaching us to pray in the Lord's prayer, we're, we're praying, forgive us our debts. Forgive us for our 
bitterness. Forgive us for our resentment, our hardness of heart toward those who have wronged us because we, we are guilty of that sin. And yet there's hope that we can be forgiven of it. We just have to recognize that it is sin and confess it to God. And as we stand there doing so, we are appealing to God for mercy toward us. And so there's this hypocritical attitude that is exposed. If we go to God for mercy, we're begging God to forgive us for our sins and at the same time are completely unwilling to forgive other people who have sinned against us. Why would we expect God to forgive us if we are totally unwilling? We think it's right to hold the grudge. We think it's right to punish those who wrong us. And yet we want to be the exception to that so that God would have mercy on us while we maintain the right to punish those who have wronged us. When we go to God for mercy, we do so uh, confessing our bitterness and our unforgiveness. So in answer to the question, do I have to forgive? The answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, As Christians, we must forgive because unforgiveness is a sin And like all sins, God will punish those sins. And so we confess that to God and enjoy his forgiveness of all of our sins, including the sin of unforgiveness, bitterness. One last question. What if I can't forgive? What if I can't? Whenever we come across something in scripture that God commands us to do, and we're tempted to say, I can't do that, we have to take that thought captive and replace it with the truth of God's word. If God calls us to, then the truth is you can. God says you can, then don't say that you can't. God commands you to. God commands you to forgive, then you can. And rather than saying, I can't, uh, recognize that you, you mean probably one of two things. Either you actually mean, I don't feel like it, or you mean, I won't, I refuse to. If what you mean is, I don't feel like it, I don't feel forgiving, I still feel so hurt, so wronged, so jaded toward this person, what do you do with that? Well, first, don't be a slave to your feelings. You, you get yourself into all kinds of trouble uh, by living life driven by your feelings. If you always just do whatever you feel like doing, you take the path of least resistance, uh, you get yourself into a world of hurt. So even though you don't feel like it, don't be a slave to your feelings. Instead, trust God's word believe what he says to you, choose to obey what he commands you, which is to forgive others as God has forgiven you, and choose to do that in spite of your feelings. And and one way that God changes our hearts is by uh, overwhelming us with the incredible grace he has shown us in Christ. So go read the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. See yourself there as the servant who was forgiven the massive debt and the one who's unwilling to forgive the minor debt. Realize how much God has forgiven you for. And and as you meditate on that, then your heart is set free and, and you find it impossible to count others' debts against you as greater than your own debt against God. And when you're amazed by the mercy of God, your heart begins to change. So you, you choose to forgive in spite of your feelings. Don't wait for your feelings, but trust that as you uh, choose to trust and obey God, your feelings will follow. And if you mean when you say you can't forgive that you won't, then, then realize that for what it is. It's stubborn, rebellious sin. It's a refusal to do what God calls you to do. So what do we do when we realize we are uh, willfully rejecting what God calls us to? We, we repent of that. We acknowledge before God, I am wrong. I'm living in opposition to you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That sin uh, changed my heart. 
I trust you and I will walk by faith and live out the obedience of faith and choose to uh, forgive this person who sinned against me. So if there's anything in your past that you're, you're bitter about, somebody else has wronged you, I hope those uh, working through some of those questions and objections is helpful to you. I would be happy to talk more with you. If there's a specific thing in your life, uh, feel free to reach out. We can talk through what does it look like to uh, be reconciled or at least to be willing to uh, let go of that bitterness. I'd love to talk with you more so that you can experience God's grace in this area of your life. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected.